0: My mom one day was like, Simone, get in the car, we're going to the grocery store. And I I just looked at her and I was like, you can go to the grocery store yourself. And she's like, get in the car and stop being a brat. And I was like, "Okay." And so she took a wrong turn and she keeps going straight. And I'm just furious at this point. And I was like, it's that way. Where are you going? And she stops. She pulls into this fire station and she's like, look across.
1: Welcome to season two of Needing Dough, the podcast presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. I'm your host, Andrew Hawkins. I also go by Hawk. Now, usually, I'm here to guide y'all through the extended version of the Needing Dough video series featuring uninterrupted CEO Maverick Carter. But today, we're going to continue with our mini-series, Branching Out. Typically, I have an open conversation with an athlete who has moved on from their sports career to find a new path and find all sorts of surprising success. But what's special about this edition, you ask? good question we're focusing on financial foundations so alongside the athlete we invite the person in their life who has played an integral role in teaching them about money our guest today includes one of the strongest most artistic and greatest athletes of our time along with someone who supported her career since day one her mother so before we dive into this conversation featuring quite possibly the greatest gymnast of all time, Simone Biles, and her mother Nellie, take a minute to subscribe to Needing Dough on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It's fast, it's free, and it helps support the show. Now, for those of you that don't know, Simone Biles is a five-time Olympic gold medalist, a 10-time world championship gold medalist, and just last year, she ended her hiatus and became one of the most decorated American gymnasts of all time. And her mother, Nelly, well, she took a risk that paid off for Simone and their family. In this live conversation, which took place at a Chase branch in downtown Houston, Texas, Simone and her mother, Nelly, walk us through the financial lessons they've learned along their journey. So like I said, we couldn't be more excited to have you two here tonight. We're gonna start from the beginning. Simone, when was it that you first realized that being a gymnast is what you wanted to do?
0: You know, I kind of stumbled upon it by accident. Um, It was a daycare field trip whenever I was six years old and we were actually supposed to go to like the oil ranch here in Texas and it ended up raining. So we just went down the street to this gym called Bannon's and that's where it kind of started. And then my former coach, her mom was the one that spotted me um, out in the gym, and then they sent a letter home because I guess they saw the talent that I had, and uh, that's kind of how I started.
1: So you were six years old, and they already seen how talented you could be in the mm-hmm. sport.
0: Yeah, I didn't see it, but they did.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. When I told my grandfather that I wanted to play professional football, within mm-hmm. a week, he bought me a set of golf clubs. <laughs> and said, and this, this is the honest-to-God story. He said, give it up because you won't last long. Oh, wow. I wasn't very big. Yeah. So for you, Nellie, when she said she wanted to be a gymnast, what was your reaction in that?
2: Well, I remember the note coming home and I thought that was the best thing ever because Simone really used to bounce on the furniture, jumped all over the place, <laughs> really hyperactive child, yeah. <laughs> and it was hard to decide what I wanted to do with Simone. Um, but when I got that note, um, because I, didn't, I was not familiar with gymnastics at, at all. I uh-huh. never, I never uh, grew up with that sport. Um, so whenever um, the note came, it was a, a choosing between cheerleading or gymnastics, and I did ask her, and, um, and she said she wanted to do the gymnastics, um, which was fine to me. I thought it was the best note I ever received because that was an opportunity for her to go to this place, this Mm -hmm. gym, and bunks around and be safe.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So were you aware of like the time commitment and the financial commitment that gymnastics was? No. (laughs) Had I known that, maybe I
2: would have changed my mind. (laughs) Um, I just know, uh, I, I never had any idea because it was really trying to make sure that I coordinate someone taking her, picking her up, um, uh, from the gym mm-hmm. and um, then there was the competitions later on um, and then traveling with Simone to different states. Um, of course there are competitions also local competitions but it's quite a bit and gymnastics is not cheap so that no. was quite a bit of money that we were spending on on, on her um, attending this gym.
1: Were those conversations that you had about it like within the family or with Simone about like the amount of money that was going into it and kind of the financial state of the family?
2: I don't remember discussing it with her, but I certainly discussed it with her father mm-hmm. um, because we had to make sure that, um, that whatever we were... Because at the time, um, I believe we had two of my sons in college at that time. Mm-hmm. So it was not just spending on Simone. But it was definitely um, spending on college expenses at that time also yeah. and see how we could make all that
1: work. When I was younger, my first memory of money was I had my grandfather and we didn't have money growing up. We had a, tons of kids living in a small house, mm-hmm. right and my grandfather, though every time he seen me, he would give me a dollar mm-hmm. and the only way I could get another dollar was the next time he seen me, I had to have the dollar he previously gave me because he was trying to teach me to save my money and not go spend it. So for you, Simone,
0: mm-hmm. what
1: was your earliest memory of money
0: mm-hmm. I feel like my earliest memory of money was whenever my aunts and uncles would send us birthday gifts or Christmas gifts, and every time we got it, it went to a bank account. So we had to give it to either my mom or my dad so that they could go put it in a bank account so that we could save it.
1: And and how old were you when you had that bank account, if you can remember? I know that's...
0: Was this 10, 12 years ago?
2: About... 10 or 12, somewhere there. Yeah. Um, I remember them just, I mean, the money was in a drawer, so Mm -hmm. it wasn't doing anything. And I know from my experience growing up, my mother um, gave us those piggy banks, and those were not the ones that you could take the stuff from the bottom and open it. Uh I mean, once it went (laughs) in there, it was really difficult to to take the money out. But I remember having that growing up as a child, So I thought, in fact, I thought I knew that definitely saving money um, for who knows, for whatever it is. I mean, for us, it was college. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, whatever she got, it would be something, whether it's books or something that she paid for her college at some point, that was the intent. And so I opened a bank account. It was a little better. It's not a little. It's... (laughs) <laughs> Definitely better than a piggy bank that you don't have any interest right. growing without money. So um, instead of a piggy bank, I took them to the bank and opened an account, a savings account for her and her sister.
1: So you're, you're, you're giving them reps and showing at an early age before maybe even Simone even realized mm-hmm. of how important it is to put your money away, to budget, yes. and when you get things, not to spend it. What, what was one thing that you wanted to make sure they learned about finances early on? Because you opened them a bank account says that you were mm-hmm. cognizant of that and you were very pointed in making sure that they were aware of what money meant.
2: Well, I mean, I just knew that if the money was there and there was, they did not think about the value of it, I mean, you know, who knows what, you know, what they would be spending it on. And it's just the value of that money and how important it is mm-hmm. to save for whatever goal. I mean, you know, it could be to, to purchase a dress or to buy gifts. Uh, during uh, Christmas times, mm-hmm. and so they wouldn't have to ask me for money for gifts for the, the the rest of the siblings. And I know that was one of the things that they did because I remember taking them to the dollar store yeah. to buy Christmas gifts for the rest of the siblings.
1: <laughs> so, Samoa, how how about you? When, when mm-hmm. you were at that age and you're having to go to your mom for your money mm-hmm. in the bank account, was it a frustration point, or did were you like, yeah. I understand, mom, this is a great idea? <laughs>
0: no of course at the time you're a kid and every you want everything to happen immediately so I was really frustrated growing up because I always had to go ask them for money and ask my dad for money and they would sometimes say no so I was really frustrated because then I would be irritated that why did I give them that money that's mine and you know in a way you think oh that's my money they're taking it but really now that I'm older, I'm very grateful that they Mm -hmm. put it into a bank account. um, Because sometimes just because you have it doesn't mean you need to spend it. And I feel like growing up, that's what I felt. If I had it and I saw it, it needed to be gone or something. You needed to spend it. Yeah. Okay.
1: So here's the part where Nelly and Simone branch out. And it's an example of the courage and confidence Nelly had in herself and her family to grow a business. And that confidence changed her life and Simone's in a profound and powerful way so okay so now let's transition to a you being a business owner right and you opened your own gym and we had the conversation about that tell us what that process was like for you Nellie and making that decision
2: um, prior to opening the gym I uh, was a, a part owner of a nursing home there were four of us partners mm-hmm. and we purchased Nursing home business. At the time, there were five nursing homes, and the plan we sat down, I remember, had our first meeting, we were planning or, or how long we were going to keep the business open and then sell the business because that was the, that was the, yeah. what, that was the plan. Um, so, the seven year plan was what we came up with. Um, we, we sold the business on the, the eighth year of owning the business and we, we at the time had, we started off with five and we sold 14 nursing homes. So we owned 14 in those eight years. Mm-hmm. And so it was, that was the transition at the time. So, you know, there was so much going on. Simone was moving gyms or, and didn't have a gym at that time. Um, because her coach had walked out and Simone did not know where she was going, you know, where she was going, but she wanted to stay with the coach and it was just a matter of finding a place and I just didn't want her to be one of those gymnasts that would go from gym to gym to gym because she doesn't have a home and so that was a crazy idea that I had then. Well, why don't I just open a gym?
1: So... (laughs) So the uncertainty of her bouncing around, obviously, gymnastics in general is expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, The time of getting her back and forth to practice, you're like, hey, we have the means right now. Let's open a gym. It could simplify it and help on the back end. That's correct. I would imagine you were pretty excited about that, Simone, (laughs) right?
0: I was not excited at (laughs) all. I actually was very angry. Um, I didn't know she had the idea of opening a gym, but at the time, I was basically like gymless. I didn't know where I was going, so I trained um, at another gym with my coach, and my mom one day was like, Simone, get in the car, we're going to the grocery store, and I, I just looked at her and I was like, You can go to the grocery store yourself. (laughs) And she's like, get in the car and stop being a brat. And I was like, okay. And so she took a wrong turn and she keeps going straight. And I'm just furious at this point. And I was like, it's that way. Where are you going? And she stops. She pulls into this fire station and she's like, look across. And I like, look, and I'm like, this is stupid. What are we looking at? It's a bunch of trees. And she's like, I just purchased this lot. We're going to build a gym. And she wanted my reaction to be like, thank you, Mom. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. And I was like, no.
1: <laughs> I oh, was wow. so
0: mad because the first initial thought I had was, we're going to be poor. We have no money to build a gym. Like, my first initial reaction was money, and I knew how much time it took. And, like, one of the owners at my previous gym, he actually coached me, too. Uh-huh. So I knew how much time consuming it it just wasn't a very good idea for me because I knew how frustrated he was, and it's not easy to run a business, even though she previously owned it. Um, I just thought it was the worst idea ever.
1: That's amazing. If yeah. if someone would have came to me and said, "I'm going to build you your own football field," I would, would have loved the, it. Money was the would be the last thing. On that my was mind. the first
0: thing I worried about was the money and how my parents were going to do it, and I was just so scared for them and nervous, and I didn't want them to go in being so nervous and stressed out because it's not easy to open and run a gym with mm-hmm. a thousand kids. Like, it's just not easy. So and that, I that, need that. That's
1: rare, though, to have that sense of mind that early to be thinking mm-hmm. about financial stability, even at the young age for something yes. that's benefiting you. Where does that come from?
0: I think just growing up um, before I was adopted, I think Um, Being in like foster homes and being with my biological mom, we didn't grow up having a lot of money. Um, Out of my siblings, there's eight of us, but at the time, there was only four of us, and I knew she really struggled with money issues. Mm. And being so young, two, three years old, I just already knew that I sensed that sometimes she would go to work and we would be at the house alone. And then um, growing up, I went to like my Uncle Danny's house and... Mm -hmm he didn't have the means of money either. And I remember we were getting breakfast one morning and instead of milk, he put water. And I just thought it was the craziest thing ever. But you know, I think just growing up, I've just, I don't know, I've been really concerned about it.
1: Yeah, I guess once you experience that and you've been on that side, yes. you are more cognizant of it. And even yes. growing up, it's, it's more of a reality for you. Right. Yes, Nellie, how did you deal with her reaction and, and, and her fear of taking on a task like that, you and your husband. Like, what kind of conversations did you have with her?
2: Well, it, I certainly didn't expect that reaction. I really expected for her to be excited.
0: Mm-hmm. That
2: oh wow, thanks, mom. <laughs> but that never came along. Um, and I remember having the floor plans, um, and I said, "You you have to look at the plans because I wanted to show her, you know, what we had planned on doing." Mm-hmm. And and because of the anger, I needed to understand that anger. And it was when she started verbalizing the fact that it, that it was a lot of money mm-hmm. to open a gym, she, she said, I don't know, but I'm sure it's a lot of money. And you know, we don't have all that money. And why are you and dad spending all that money? And yeah. so that's coming from someone that's very young, that's telling me this stuff, yeah. but, it's, but then knowing, knowing um, what Simone went through, you know, um, just from what she were saying in terms of, you know, having the means or not having the means. When she was given cereal with water, you know, there are things that you don't think about, um, but, if there, but if you don't have the means and you still have that in your subconscious, mm-hmm. those things do, you know, they do tend to surface. And it was me trying to understand what she was telling me and it was the fear of not having any money, yeah. the fear of going, I mean, of going broke. She didn't want to, I guess, relive that type of, what, what that, that, you know, that experience again.
1: No, absolutely. I, the, my favorite part about that story is mm-hmm. you two and your husband being able to have those mm-hmm. open conversations yeah. about realities and, and yes. even her, again, being cognizant yes. of the risk that that was. How has that decision proved to be beneficial from a business standpoint, to open your own gym, even today.
2: Well, I hope she, she's. I hope she likes the gym. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's. It, I think it's. You know, looking back at it, it's. It. It was the best thing that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Yes, difficult. It's a lot of work, but it's a place that I have all the equipment, and the. Um, you know, and the coaches, the right coaches. For Simone and all the other athletes that, that that comes to World Champion Center, we're very proud of it, yeah. and uh, and the family members and children are too. Um, so um, it's so I'm glad that she has a place that's close by mm-hmm. where we live to train. So um, that's that's that that's a big part of not feeling stressed about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So um, it's one of the best things that we did, but then it's during that process, making sure that Simone understands that, um, you know, that we're not gonna go broke because of this, mm-hmm. that there is a plan uh, because of this. And, and, and I believe it's just seeing that, that business sense from my, myself mm-hmm. and my husband, uh, when she makes business decisions too, you know, it's, she definitely uh, talks to us about that.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right, now let's get back to my conversation with Simone and Nelly. And, and I mean, even talk about that, being a gymnast, like for the audience, mm-hmm. like what is, how are those waters for you to navigate? Like how does a gymnast make money? Right? Because I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand <laughs> yeah. like exactly, you know, uh-huh. with NBA or NFL contracts, it's cut and dry, it's in the newspaper. So and so is making this. For you, mm-hmm. what is that process like?
0: Um, it's a little bit different because as athletes, we, or as gymnasts, we mm-hmm. have to make money by going professional. And since we peak at such a young age, we usually have to choose between collegiate sports. Um, or going professional so at uh, well, a couple years ago I decided to go professional so that I could make money doing the sport mm-hmm. so it's a little bit different so um, than other athletes I was f- no 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 I was nine, 18 I think 18? I was 18 when I went professional, 7 or 18 okay um, sorry 17 or 18 whenever mm-hmm. I went professional but the way that we make money is we have to go out, compete. Um, if you win, it depends what yeah. medals you bring back, but it also helps with sponsorships. Yeah. Um, so whoever I partner with, that's how sometimes we make our money, but it's, it's usually not training and just doing gymnastics. It's right. going out and doing other things.
1: So when, you, when you're picking your sponsorships and you have mm-hmm. some of the best sponsorships, literally <laughs> in the world, um, when you're picking those sponsorships, what is you guys' decision-making process? Because mm-hmm. for me, I was going with whoever was giving me money, I didn't care, I I would be endorsing uh, (laughs) urinal cakes (laughs) in public restrooms.
0: if if the
1: dollar amount was right. So for you, what is your process in making those decisions?
0: Yeah, for me, I (laughs) partner with whatever makes sense. Um, And I have to be smart with who I choose to work with because it has to mean something to me. Mm -hmm. So I work with mattress firm and they work a lot with foster kids. And I hold that dear to my heart just because I was a foster kid. So I know what it's like being in their shoes. So I really like going to all of their drives that they have, school... Mm -hmm school drives, like pajama drives and all of this throughout the year. They're toy drives because I was a foster kid once. So it depends on who I partner with. I, No offense, I wouldn't do what you do. Just okay. partner with yep. everybody it's okay. um, just for the it's okay. money because <laughs> at the end of the day, it has to mean something to me or I won't be passionate about it.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's amazing. So, okay, now so you're professional now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're, you're making money how are you guys now making your decisions from a financial standpoint is it more on your shoulders is it still a collaborative effort
0: um i feel like i'm still pretty young um to have a lot of the income that i have coming in Mm -hmm. so i do work with my uh financial advisors and then we have quarterly meetings. So we have about four meetings a year um, with my parents and then as well as sometimes um, we have to call my agent and stuff like that. But a lot of it is done behind the scenes just so that I can get the job done. But it is a collaborative thing. And it's
2: good that she has a financial advisor that does Mm -hmm. explain all the figures Mm -hmm. and the numbers so she understands what the savings, the stocks, the bonds. And, um so those things, in in the beginning, believe me, that was all Greek to Simone. now that she couldn't she couldn't care less. It's like, uh-huh. when is this meeting going to be? Yeah, over? I would just
0: sit in the meeting and I would just because it sounded like gibberish to me. Right. It's like if I sat here and tried to explain gymnastics terms to you, that's what it sounded like on the other end sitting in the meetings. And so I was just like, the one question I always ask them at the end of the meeting <laughs> is, it's really bad. It's really bad. But the one question I ask at the end of my meetings is, Okay, so tell me if I'm broke. And if I'm not, then we should be good. <laughs> and that's what I would ask them now, obviously, since I'm a lot older. That's not the questions I right. ask and I'm starting to learn, but in the beginning it was just like, "Tell me if I'm broke, please, and what we need to do to fix some numbers around."
1: <laughs> so, what decisions are you making now financially? Like are you you talked about your decision to get a house, right? Mm-hmm. Being more financially yes. sound. Like what what was mm-hmm. that like?
0: Um, it was really exciting. Um so I had been in apartments before and I felt like I needed my own space just for me and I also have a dog so I wanted her to have a yard. I um, so I texted one of my bankers and I asked her, I think I want a house. Can I do this? Is it in my means? And she said, send me a couple of that you're looking at. And so I sent her with the pricing and she was actually really shocked at how well I was and I didn't go too over the top or crazy. Um, so we just sat with my bankers, and she actually came to visit one of them. But I always took my mom, um, and then my brother always comes mm-hmm. with me sometimes to make those type of decisions to right. see what it's like.
1: So. well I love that. That's a that's my favorite part about mm-hmm. even your process and decision making now financially is that yes. you always include your mother. Now, when you talk about the story when you were opening mm-hmm. the gym, and you and your husband having those conversations when she's young, and on this side yes. of it, even though now she's the boss right and Mm -hmm. she's the one you know bringing her money in and making her own decisions she still always includes you um, in those decision-making process and that's a kudos to you in in, in your philosophy how does that make you feel
2: well it makes me feel it really it's a good feeling simply because um, as a mother you would want your children to talk to you and consult with you Mm -hmm. um, whether they take your advice or not um, not all advice Simone takes, unfortunately, <laughs> but um, but at least you know when she was looking around because I know the condos were things she was looking at too, and then it was just looking at different you know different properties and then making a decision on which property she thinks would best suit her. Um, I did you know we all went um, house shopping and. And uh, condo shopping until we found something pretty much she did because when she walked in she said, "This is what I wanted and yeah. it, 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 it was it was a, a house you know a real nice house that suits her yeah mm-hmm. sound uh-huh. decisions yes. i mean that's yes. that's
1: the great part about again the way you've nurtured her and showed her like been transparent about money yeah even the question where you said it's, it was a bad question it's not yeah. like it's like that's where your mind is that's a good place yes. to start that This is what I'm trying to prevent early on, and with that always in the back of your mind, no matter how much income you bring in, it it helps you be cognizant of all the decisions Mm -hmm. you make. And you not coming with a $40 million home for your first home is a a testament to that. Mm -hmm. So after the 2016 Olympics, you became a household name, Mm -hmm. and life changed for you. How did it change for you from your perspective on a day-to-day basis and financially?
0: On a day-to-day basis, I feel like it changed tremendously. Um, everywhere I went, people knew who I was, and it kind of got crazy because I wasn't used to that before. And for mm. me, it's, it's weird for me walking around because everybody knows who I am, but I don't know everybody. So that right. part scared me a little bit. But from a financial point, it was a little bit difficult because we also went on tour. Um, so we toured... 36 cities and we had 38 shows so that kind of got crazy um and then working with a lot of my sponsors so financially it was a little bit different um but it wasn't too crazy just because I have a really good team to control everything so that I don't have to worry about it so that I can just worry about what I'm supposed to do where I'm Mm. supposed to be and how it's supposed to be done basically
2: because Junior tours she also had commitments with her sponsors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She would have to leave the tour and do, do whatever she needed to do for her sponsors and then get back on the tour.
1: So sponsors is a good segue to my next question. You mm-hmm. displayed a goat leotard yeah. which I loved and I need <laughs> one of those. That's number one. I need yes. to have my own. Um, and that's one of your sponsors that you designed. Where did mm-hmm. that idea come from for you?
0: Oh goodness. Um, so that came about so, did I compete last month? I competed this month. I competed last yes. month. Sorry, I get a little lost sometimes. <laughs> so last month I competed and we had one of our leotards that I designed, it had vials on the back of it. And the plan was for all of the girls at the gym that qualified to this elite meet. Uh, nine of us qualified. We were actually all supposed to have our last names on the back, but my sponsor made my Leo first, sent it in for me to try. And then one of our girls that qualified, her last name was Hollingsworth. Uh And so it truly didn't fit on the Leo. So we decided to scrap the idea and just to put WCC, which is our gym, Mm -hmm. on the back of it instead of Biles. And after the meet, I thought it was pretty cool because growing up, you always want to rep your last name or have the opportunity to. Uh And I got a lot of bad comments about it online and everywhere basically and so we chose to do that Leo just has like messing with everybody kinda um, because I didn't think it was fair that everybody can take jabs at me online but I can't do a playful jab back and so that's how we came up with the Leo design and then we designed that and then I wore it
1: amazing so a couple weeks ago when you made more history so here you are even now like and I know you're a young athlete but you yes continue to set bars and records and make history, even as mm-hmm. decorated as you are, where do you get that drive from?
0: Um, I'm so very passionate about what I do and the sport that I'm in, and I love it, and I have the desire for it. And growing up, I would have never thought in a million years I would be here and say all of the accolades that I have, but it's kind of crazy. Um, but I love what I do, and mm. I love to go out there and compete and Um, I don't necessarily think whenever I do some of the skills or the routines I put together I'm gonna do this to break a record because to be completely honest I don't know that I've broken a record or know about a record till I'm done and they tell me I just go into it doing what I love
1: that's amazing so now I'm gonna ask for advice that you guys can give Mm -hmm. some of uh, the counterparts that are looking to you as a model for a parent and a child's mm-hmm. relationship and conversations about money. For you, Simone, what is one thing that you could tell your younger self if you could about money that you wish you knew then that you now know now?
0: Oh goodness, I don't know. I feel like I've always been pretty good with money, but yeah. I feel like my parents have always told me growing up, spend money wisely mm-hmm. um, in something that will be worthwhile spending. Basically. Yes.
1: So my rule of thumb whenever I got to the NFL mm-hmm. and I'm like man I actually have money now and it was a crazy I actually yeah. didn't have that much money but I thought I was the richest person in the world <laughs> so the process I would tell myself was if I wanted to buy something I would then make myself wait three weeks
0: oh yeah and
1: then if I still felt that way yes then I would give it another two weeks mm-hmm. and then after two weeks and then by the end of it I would never buy anything because I never really <laughs> yes. wanted it so, so that I was, was a good inner process yeah. for me for you Nellie for parents that are wondering what kind of conversations they should be having with their children um, about money, what advice would you give them?
2: I think that's an individual question, but I know with me, um, you know, growing up, for example, I never gave money because of chores, because I figure we're all living in this house and we're all getting <laughs> the job done. So yeah. I never gave money because they completed their chores. That mm. was just something you, you needed to do in the house to live as part of the family. Right. Yeah. So um, I gave money, though, um, for the children, for all four children, uh, for grades. So if they brought so many A's, I pay X amount for A's, I pay X amount for B's, and then you get nothing after that. (laughs) So it was A's and B's that I paid for. Um, And so, and and those were the things that I did with all four children. And now that they're getting older, I think it's just a matter of me discussing um, what I'm doing in terms of business. I think it's important for the children to know, you know, what your job is like, I mean, you know, and, and and there's so many aspects of what you're doing mm-hmm. as a job that you need to discuss with your, you know with with, with the children growing up. Mm-hmm. from I mean, from young, when I was in a nursing home, I, I dragged them all because they needed to see yep. and know where I work, and they need to participate with the with the residents, too. Mm-hmm. So it's them seeing what I do as my job and how well I love what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. As they choose a job, I keep telling them, you know, find something that you like, and just do, do the best in that. When I mean, her job right now is her gymnastics. Yep. So I, I always tell Simone to be the best Simone, because when you go out there, that's what you need to do.
1: Yeah.
2: It's your job, and she needs yeah. to do the, do the best. Yeah, and, and she,
1: she learns that from you. She learns that from her parents. For me, like my father, just watching him get up every day at 6 a.m. and go to work, it taught me that there's a process to getting what right. you want. And, and you have to work the, for
0: what you want. You have to work Indeed. for you
1: Without yeah. having to say it, without having Correct. to say yeah. from you certain things about working or certain things about mm-hmm. money, she's just picked that up because it's a Correct. part of her life. It's a part of Correct. her second nature. So that's really awesome. Um, Simone you are teaching a master's class on gymnastics. Yes. Tell me how that came about and what you're looking to accomplish with that.
0: Yes, yeah, so for me, my master class will be teaching all of the fundamentals from the basics to skills um, and some of the drills as well. So I think that's super exciting and it's for all ages. I didn't want, for all ages and levels, I didn't want anybody to look at the master class and be like, "Oh, it's mobile so I'll never be able to do it, but it's for all It's for beginner, intermediate, and advanced all the way to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but I feel like if you take the classes, you'll get some of the means. And I also talk about some of the fear built into the sport and some of the skills, um, some of the tricks that I use, um, my getting ready for competition. Um, So all of that is kind of included in all of the lessons that Mm -hmm. we have uh, come up with and I think it's really exciting but I hope all kids and everyone of all ages can join the master class.
1: I mean to learn gymnastics from the goat is
0: incredible <laughs> in and of itself. Yes.
1: So for me, I, if I wanted to teach a master class, how do I get I don't want to endorse urinal cakes anymore, Simone. Yeah. <laughs> I, what is the process for yeah. having a ma- your very own master class?
0: Um it was
1: You can tell me that yeah, I, I'm yeah. not I'm not that great at anything to get a master's class. No, no, My feelings um, won't be hurt.
0: Well, they came to me with the idea, and at first I was like, sure, I'll teach a, ma- a master class um, for floor or vault because mm-hmm. that's what i known for and right. I specialize in. But they actually told me, no, you're an all around gymnast. We're going to do vault, bar, swim, and floor. And at first I wasn't really comfortable with teaching the other events because that's not something that I specialize in and to be completely honest I didn't like bars at all and I was like I'm not going to teach kid, kids bars because right. I'm not that good at it and then I went to worlds and I won a silver medal on bars and <laughs> then I was like okay maybe I am pretty good at this too and um, I've won world medals on beam um, gold and I have also have an Olympic bronze medal on beam so I figured maybe will be a good idea to show the world some of the lessons that I have.
1: When when you're all said and done with with gymnastics, Mm -hmm. is coaching something you can see yourself doing or is there something else that you would like to do beyond your sport?
0: I'm not sure about coaching. Yeah. Um, I feel like the master class is a good start for me, and it. then we'll see where that goes. Um, but besides that, I really love working with foster care and some of the sponsors mm-hmm. that I get to work with. Um, so hopefully I'll get to do some things with my sponsor. But I'm not really sure what I want to do completely yet. Um, so we'll just have to see.
1: I love it. So Nellie, I'm going to end with you. And my question is this. Simone is a a, a gold medalist galore. For you, what is a gold medal for her in financial success? For you, like what do you think? What is your version of a gold medal for her financial success?
0: Spending
2: wisely? I think, yes, she just said it. Um, It would be to spend her money wisely. Um, You know, I am very proud of Simone and with the, the sponsors that she has worked with. Um, and and the fact that she has a team that surrounds her to help her in terms of decision making financially. Mm -hmm. I think that's good. I think she utilizes us as a family, plus she utilizes others that have that type of experience to guide her and to make the right Mm -hmm. decisions. I think that's great. I hope that continues to resonate. After the Olympics, I mean, yes, there's there's gold medals, but that gold medal, I would like financially, for her to say, um, let me think twice before I just spend money foolishly, mm-hmm. because it's, it's it, that's just not right. You know, you just right. need, like you said, you that you give yourself, you know, so many months and then so many uh-huh. weeks. I mean, um, you just need to sit back and then decide you know, what's the best investment, what's the best spending, all those things you have to really put into consideration before you just spend money um, um, just because you have the money.
1: Right. And for you, Simone, same question. What is a gold medal like for you in the financial world?
0: I feel like my mom just said it. It's spending wisely. because. You can only have it for so long if you don't spend wisely. Just because you have it doesn't mean you should spend all of it or splurge. But I feel like every now and then you should treat yourself and you should splurge a little bit but mm-hmm. not crazily. So I would say to just spend wisely.
1: Yeah, and, and trust me, as the greatest gymnast that we've ever seen, you, you've earned that right. Please give a round of applause for Simone and <laughs> And that's all for this season of Needing Bill, the podcast presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. Please subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. It's free and helps other folks find the show. You'll automatically get notified when the next season rolls in. Thanks to our partners for this show, Chase. Head over to chase.com slash student. They're here to help you manage your money today and tomorrow. Our executive producers are myself, td st matthew daniel and ben adair and i'm andrew hawkins aka hawk telling you what a wise man always told me a penny saved is a penny earned